Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Praise God. Let's do a little bit of review as we jump into where we're going tonight. And so you see, I already put on the... uh, the board, one of the things we covered previously, one of the key verses to the book of Judges that helps us understand everything that's happening in this book, and this book is a tragedy, is Judges chapter 21, verse 25. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. It's the last scripture of the book, but this phrase is repeated two other times in the book, especially in the last few chapters, which are some of the most tragic and horrific chapters of the entire book. And that scripture says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. I'll say it one more time. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. As we covered previously, it reminds us of Proverbs, which says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is a way of death. And one of the things we also know about the book of Judges, as we covered, is that the book of Judges operates on a cycle effect. It's not just a cycle, it's actually a spiral. So let's go over the cycle again. So let's start the cycle with their sin, and then what happens? Oppression. What happens after the oppression for a while? Then eventually they repent. So you have repentance. Then after what happens, repentance, they repent. God raises up a judge, and they are delivered. So we can go to deliverance. And then after the deliverance, they have a time of peace and prosperity and enjoyment for a generation or so. It tells you how many years in each time. So then you go to peace. But eventually, as we saw, that eventually they stop listening to their judges and they start doing what? What they saw fit. Or as another translation says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So what does that take you to? Sin. So the cycle continues. And then one of the things we covered in the first couple chapters of Judges previously is that each time they got worse. Every generation got worse. So now it's not just a cycle, it's a spiral downward which explains why the last few chapters are so horrific. There are some sins mentioned there that you have only seen in Sodom and Gomorrah in that type of style and that type of fashion because everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did as they saw fit. Israel had no king, and so the spiral continues. And because the wages of sin is death, their lifestyle is producing this oppression. But when they're in the oppression, they finally had enough of it. They would repent, and God, out of his great mercy, the scripture said that he was moved with pity. He was moved with compassion. He would raise up a judge, and the judge would deliver them, and then they would have peace, and then they would enjoy that peace for a while, but then they would turn from the ways of God, begin to worship the Baals, begin to sin worse than their parents and the former generations did, and that cycle kept going again and again and again. 
And so one of the things we covered before, it's important to study this. Even though we're not under their covenant, there are things we can learn about what happened in the book of Judges that will affect our life today. Remember, we gave you five reflection questions so far. Five reflection questions. Reflection question number one was, is there an area of your life where you have not fully obeyed God? What do you need to do to get into complete obedience with his plan and direction for your life? Reflection question number two we ask, what are you doing to help the next generation develop a personal relationship with Jesus and understand his miracle working power? Reflection question number three, have you ever considered that what God has called you to do is an expression and manifestation of his mercy for others? Reflection question number four, are there areas in your life where you are currently contained because you are not doing as God instructed you to do? Reflection question number five, is your life a continual cycle of things you do not like? Are you in a pattern that you cannot seem to break? Is there a specific sin or poor decision that is causing you to go through the cycle? Notice one of the things we shared last week, that yes, sin will cause you to go into a cycle or a spiral like this, but guess what? Sometimes poor decisions, which are not necessarily sin, can cause you to go through cycles that are not God's best for your life. Well, that's a good amount of review to get started. Come back to my office with me. Welcome back to my office. Let's get right into it. So we already did a little bit of review and I put some extra review on my notes. Remember, my notes are available on the YouVersion Bible app. If you're watching the live stream, you'll see the link to the notes. You'll see people post a link to the notes in the chat, but you can also go to the YouVersion Bible app and find my notes. We're going into the next part of the book of Judges. And so make sure you download these notes because in the notes, as you've heard me say before, we have reflection questions and I want you to actually reflect and answer those questions. So let's jump into where we're going today. Let's go to Judges chapter two once again. Judges chapter 2. One of the things we talked about before is that why study the Old Testament? Why study these examples? We looked at why we study it that, number one, we can learn what to do and what not to do from the successes and the mistakes of the judges. There are some hard lessons in this book, and we've looked at some, and we'll have a lot more that we'll look at not just tonight, but in the weeks to come. We learn different things from this book of Judges. So let's go to Judges chapter 2, verse 16. Judges chapter 2, verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity or compassion by their groaning because of those who had oppressed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead, they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and to bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and has not heeded my voice, I will also no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of 
Joshua. Let's keep going and we'll break down this whole passage in a moment. Let's go to chapter 3. Now as we turn there, as we looked at before, because it's a lot in the passage, it shows the cycle that we've already talked about, but it also shows the consequences of it. The beginning of chapter 2 of Judges talks about the consequences of partial obedience. And because of partial obedience, they were limited in what they were able to experience in the promised land. The end of chapter 2 shows full disobedience. And it talks, and this, remember, the book of Judges is cycles. It happens over a period of time. And some of these events we'll read through the book of Judges are happening at the same time. They're not in order, per se, but some of them are overlapping stories, overlapping periods of time. This happened in different regions of the promised land. And so what happened? Because of their constant rebellion, they missed out on total victory. God said that he would no longer drive out the nations Joshua left, but would leave them in the promised land. These nations would be a test for Israel. What type of test? A test whether they will serve God or not. In life, there will always be a choice. Will you serve God or will you not serve God? Chapter 2 started with limitation and ended with God saying, I'm not driving any of them out as a result of your breaking the covenant. And remember chapter 2, the end of chapter 2 especially, is a summary of what happened over the rest of the book. So let's go to chapter 3, start verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them, that is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Pause. Now we see something different. We see the limitation of the beginning of chapter 2. We see the consequences at the end of chapter 2. But now we see nations left here for another reason. It's connected to those other two reasons. But there's another reason here. That he might test Israel by them, which we mentioned, and we'll look at that even deeper. That all those who had, that is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan, this was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it, namely five lords of the Philistines, and list the ones that are left for this purpose. Five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Zidonians, the Hivites, who dwelt in Mount Lebanon and Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. I'm going to read it to you from the Living Bible. The Living Bible says, Here's the list of nations that the Lord left in the land to test the new generation of Israel who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. For God wanted to give opportunity to the youth of Israel to exercise faith and obedience in conquering their enemies. The Philistines, five cities, the Canaanites, the Zidonians, the Hivites, living in Mount Lebanon from Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. The message version says it this way. These are the nations that, the, that God left there, using them to test the Israelites who had no experience in the Canaanite wars. He did it to train the descendants of Israel, the ones who had no battle experience in the art of war. He left the five Philistine tyrants, all the Canaanites, the Zidonians, and the Hivites living on Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon to Hamath's Pass. They were there to test Israel to see whether they would obey God's commands that were given to their parents through Moses. So in the midst of all this, we see in addition to the Canaanites that were left because of disobedience, the Canaanites that were left because of partial obedience, we see there are more Canaanites and Philistines and Hivites, and we'll see more later, that were left there for the express purpose of the test we've talked about. We'll look at more in a second 
as well as to train a new generation. So let's look at these specific three groups of people mentioned here in Joshua chapter three, the Philistines. Now we see, you know, if you've read the Old Testament, you know about the Philistines. Most time we think about the Philistines, we take, think about King David. But the Philistines were a major threat to Israel and it's present throughout the Old Testament narrative from the book of Judges throughout. So let's look at this group of people. The Philistines, even referred to as the Sea Peoples in ancient Egyptian texts, were a group of people who migrated by sea from the islands and the areas of the Aegean Sea. They settled along the coast and had five major cities that were ruled by what they were called lords, the lords of the Philistines. These five lords acted as a council when it comes to ruling Philistia, or known as the land of the Philistines. That later, the Greeks and the Romans and other people renamed the area Palestine, in tribute to the Philistines who had migrated there from the Aegean Sea. And the Aegean Sea is the area, as some people, when you study the Philistines, some people believe they came from Crete, from Greece, from other areas during ancient times. And they migrated by sea to the western coast of the Promised Land. Now, the Canaanites, as we covered, were a diverse group of people and a group of areas. So there's many different Canaanites. You know, the people at Jericho, they were Canaanites. A lot of things you see in the book of Joshua is dealing with Canaanites. There are various groups of Canaanites that surround different major cities or areas. Now, the Sidonians were inhabitants of Sidon, which is a seaport on the Mediterranean Sea in modern Lebanon. They were Phoenicians. Sidon, you know, is famously known for it would it's in the future, according to the book of Judges, you know, hundreds of years afterwards, it will be the birthplace of Queen Jezebel. So we have the Philistines, the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and then you have the Hivites. The Hivites lived in the northern section of Canaan below Mount Hermon, the Gibeonites who made a peace treaty with Joshua Hivites. The main cities of the Hivites were Gibeon, which you see in the book of Joshua, Kephira, Beeroth, and Kerjith-Jerim. All of their cities were in the territory of Benjamin or near the border. So these are different areas that were left. Why were these groups left? One is part of the test. And so let's look at verse four before we break this down further. Verse four of Judges chapter three says, and they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So some of them were left for express purpose of a test. And part of it, the reason they had to go through this test was punishment. This is part of the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. And this part of the punishment, you have punishment, you have limitation, and you have a test. Three different things, but you can see it's all connected. If you can see how it's connected, put it in the chat. I say, I can see it. I can see how it's connected. And so, why were these three specific groups of people left in the promised land? This is different than just the limitations and the consequence of disobedience. Let's talk about number one, the test. You know, what we're doing on Sundays, we're doing a series called Passing the Test of Life. I encourage you to watch it on our uh, YouTube channel, on our Faith Plus app, or even listen to it on our podcast because we're talking about the different tests of life. And we're focusing on the tests that are part of life that we take, you know, living in this day and age under this day and age of grace and as new covenant believers. But even looking at the tests in the Old Testament, there are things that we can learn and we should learn. Here, let's look at the three reasons why they were left. Number one, the test. What was this test? To put it simply, as we said before, it is a test of choice. To reiterate, it is a test of choice. Put it in the chat, say it is a test of choice. Write it down in your notes. I put it in my notes, but write it down in your notes as well and put it in the chat. Say it is a test of choice. What will you choose 
to do with the freedom and the opportunity God has given you? What will you choose to do with the freedom and the opportunity God has given you? Will you choose God's way or will you choose another way? It's similar to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. It was in the midst of the garden. It was a choice for Adam and Eve. Will they do it God's way? Will they do what God said? Or will they do their own way? You will always have a choice in life. You know, it's one of the things we teach our kids, right? That to choose right, to choose wisely, to choose the right thing. There's always a choice. Even when people say, well, there isn't a choice. No, there is a choice. What will you do with the freedom and the opportunity God has given you? That is the test. That is a test we all face. We have free will. We will always have choices. We make tons and tons of choices every single day. What will you do with your choice? With all the choices you have in life, make sure you choose wisely. Number two, some of these nations were left as a teaching opportunity. Number two, some of these nations were left as a teaching opportunity. Go ahead, put it in the chat, say a teaching opportunity. Put it in the chat and put it in the notes, say a teaching opportunity. This was a teaching opportunity for the future generations of the children of Israel to learn how to use their faith and following God into battle and expanding their territory. This was a teaching opportunity for future generations of the children of Israel to learn how to use their faith to follow God into battle and expand their territory. And so future generations who weren't with Moses and weren't with Joshua would need to learn the things that Moses' generation learned and Joshua's generation learned. And they were going to learn it on the battlefield. They were going to learn it when it came to expanding into the territory. And so they were left so that Israel would learn how to expand by faith, by following God's direction into battle. That's the second teaching opportunity. That's the second thing. It's the teaching opportunity. Number three, simply Israel was not big enough yet to fill the land. Israel was not big enough yet to fill the land. So when they left Egypt, you know, depending on which scholar you, you look, you study, scholars say there are between, somewhere between a few hundred thousand of people coming out of, out of Egypt who belong to Israel to maybe ride around two million. That's a lot of people, but it's not enough to fill up the land. Even with the future generations, it's going to take time for their population to grow to a point where they can fill the promised land. And God told them that ahead of time in Deuteronomy and Exodus. So look, let's look at that. Remember, number three is Israel was not big enough yet to, to fill the land. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 22. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 22. It says, And the Lord your God will drive away these nations from you little by little. Put it in the chat and put it in your notes. Say little by little. Come on, put it in the chat, put it in your notes. Say little by little. And you'll not be able to put it into them quickly. Otherwise, here's the reason, the wild animals would become too numerous for you. So once again, say little by little. Say little by little. I know that's already speaking to someone. You'll notice that something in your life is only happening little by little. So why is it so slow? Why is it a process? There is a reason why it's going slowly. And that's one of the reasons why we're studying the book of Judges and the next book we study. It's studying with the studying with the understanding and looking at it through the lens of what is God saying to me through this book so I can fill what he's called me to do? So you might say, well, why does it seem to be little by little? Why is it going slowly? 
Exodus 23, 29, verse 30 says it this way. Remember Deuteronomy is the second given of the law. So a lot of things you see in Deuteronomy, it's two sermons of Moses, two very long sermons of Moses, and he's repeating the history of Israel up to this point and what God did for them and what God said to the original generation as they left the promised land. So let's go to Exodus 23, verse 29. Go with me to Exodus chapter 23, verse 29. Once again, all these are my notes on the YouVersion Bible app. Exodus chapter 23, verse 29. God says, I will not drive them out from you in a single year so that the land will not become desolate and the animals of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out from you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession of the land. Notice that until you become fruitful. So until you increase and become numerous and take possession of the land. God says, if I drove all your enemies out, if I kicked them all at once, you will not be able to inhabit the whole land. You won't be able to possess the whole land. What's going what's to happen? It's going to be desolate. Weeds and vines and stuff are going to grow up. These cities will break down and wild animals would run rampant. Now we think about some wild animals in where we live in Georgia that we don't want running rampant, but remember this is the Middle East. There are lions, there are tigers, there are bears, you know, oh my, but yes, there are all those things. There are jackals, there are ferocious predators that would increase in number and fill these cities. And now Israel is not focused on enemy cities, they're dealing with the whole animal kingdom that's turned against them. And so God said, I am not going to remove it because you're not big enough for it. I'm not gonna remove them all in one year because you're not big enough to take the land. It's gonna be little by little, say little by little. So this leads me to reflection question number six. And some of you realize by now my reflection question aren't just like one reflection question, it's about a paragraph of questions that I want you to reflect on. So reflection question number six. Are there areas where you have been praying for victory or praying for expansion that you are not mature enough to enter into. Let me say that again. Are there areas in your life where you have been praying for victory or expansion that you are not mature enough to enter into? Have you limited your potential harvest as a result of your level of maturity? Have you limited your potential harvest as a result of your level of maturity? What is an area in your life that you keep hitting a brick wall in? Come on, let's think about it. What's an area that you keep hitting this brick wall again and again and again and again and again? In an area that you already know, without a doubt, this is an area promised to you. At the same time, when you think about that wall, what is the area of character God has been telling you to develop that you have been avoiding or making excuses for? When you think about that brick wall, I also want you to think about what is the area of character that God has been telling you to develop that you've been avoiding or been making excuses for. So let me read those questions to you. Once again, they're in my notes and I encourage you to download the notes if you haven't already. Reflection question number six, are there areas where you have been praying for victory or expansion and that you're not mature enough to enter into? And while you think about that question, you consider, have you limited your potential harvest as a result of your level of maturity? What is an area of your life that you've been hitting a brick wall in? You want to write that down. And then when you think about that, what is the area of character God has been telling you to develop that you've been avoiding or making excuses for? You know this old Pentecostal saying I heard a man of God say years ago, you cannot fire a cannon from a canoe. 
You cannot fire a cannon from a canoe. You know what's going to happen if you fire a cannon from a canoe? That canoe will sink. Are you mature enough to advance in your calling? Are you mature enough to go forward in what God has put in your heart to do? Are you mature enough yet? Have you developed your character to the point where it can sustain you in the places where God has called you? Have you developed your character to the point where it can sustain you in the places where God has called you to go? Too many of us want to advance with, I'll use this analogy this way, million dollar move, 10 cent shot. Well, what's that? You know, that refers to like an NBA basketball game where someone does this flashy move like, man, that was sweet. And then they fire up a shot and it's an air ball. It's a brick. It's not even following the basics of shooting. They did a sweet move to get to the point where they can shoot. But now that shot is no good. Million dollar move, 10 cent shot, no score, no points, whatever. It's like it never happened. It's a great highlight, but it didn't produce anything. Too many people want to advance in the calling with that type of character where they have the talent, but they don't have the character that can sustain them. Talent and gifting is great, but if you do not develop your character, you will be a short-term success. You know, one of the things I remember Bishop would tell me, and this is, he emphasized this to me, and it's one of the things that stands out in all the years he's trained me. He said, I'm developing you to be here for a while. I'm developing you so you're not a flash in the pan. Here today, gone tomorrow. I'm developing you to the point where you can stand the test of time. And this is the type of development God wants us all to have, to where we're not just, you know, a firework. Oh, man, that was great. But you are, another analogy is a one-hit wonder. Man, everybody sung the song, but where did that band go? I don't know. You don't know until they do VH1, you know, where are they now, specials or whatever is taking that place. Well, where are they now? Yeah, they did do that song, you know, 20 years ago. Where did they go? That's not the type of life God wants you to have. He wants you to have consistent victory that builds on another where you keep going forward. And so you don't just have one success or one big firework, but it's a consistent progression in your life going forward. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Because when we talk about character, Galatians 5, 22, verse 23, describes the character of Jesus, the character traits of Jesus that every believer should emulate and grow in. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 what we refer to as the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll read it this time for the New Living Translation, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these three. These nine fruit of the Spirit, these are the character traits of Jesus that we are all to develop in our lives. You know, there's a prayer that I pray for you all the time, and I encourage you to pray for yourself and pray for me and pray for all those you know. We find in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. So let's go there. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. So we look at these nine fruit of the Spirit, the character traits, the character that we are to develop and grow in. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, and it says, And this I pray, that your love may abound or overflow still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus the Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. So not just develop it. So oh, I have a little love here, a little self-control here. Oh, you know, I got some faithfulness over there. Man, I was gentle one day sometime in the last couple of weeks. You know, I was patient when I was waiting in line for my food. It was taking too long. Not sporadic fruit of the Spirit, but full of the fruits of the Spirit. 
That's the character God wants you to develop, where you are full of the fruits of the Spirit. That's what it's praying for, that you're being filled with the fruits of righteousness, being filled with the fruits of the Spirit. Philippians 1.11, the New Living Translation says it this way, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Here's a key for your life. Consistency leads to growth. Consistency leads to growth. Think about it this way. Any type of plant, consistently taking care of that plant, watering that plant, pruning that plant, making sure that plant gets the right amount of sunshine, making sure that plant gets all the special nutrients it's supposed to get. That's going to cause that plant to grow and thrive and be healthy. But if you water it once, and if it's not like a drought you know, plant that can withstand drought, if you only water it once and forget about it, that plant's not going to do well. Same thing with you. If you don't do the things that's required to develop your character and develop in the areas that God has been telling you to develop, to develop and stop avoiding, to develop and stop making excuses for. Because a lot of times, God wants us to develop in areas that we've made excuses for, that we say, well, this is what I saw my parents did. This is where I came from. This is what my, uh, where my community did. This is all those other stuff. We've got a whole bunch of excuses. Man, we can make an excuse for everything. But... Are your excuses keeping you from your future? Are your excuses keeping you from advancing in the calling of God? Could it be possible that the areas that you've been avoiding and making excuses for are the areas that are keeping you from advancing in your calling? And the progressions that where all these people are going forward, why, why am I not going forward? Why is my advancement so slow? I see a little bit here, a little bit there, but where's the rest of it? I know I've sold more than this. I've given more than that. You know, I've prayed. I've been faithful. I've been doing all these things, but it's only a little bit here, a little bit here. Could it be possible? Could it be possible? Y'all looked at reflection question number six. That part of the reason is you haven't developed your character to the point where you can receive everything that God has for you. It's not like it's not with the will of God. It's not like it's not promised to you. It's there available for you, but you haven't developed enough to receive it. Just like Israel in the book of Judges, they hadn't grown enough to the place where they could fully possess the land. Proverbs 28, 20. Well, before we do Proverbs 28, 20, as we begin to bring this to a close, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This is what Paul writes and says before he even talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit is an idiom, some of lifestyle. Live in the Spirit. Because what is walking? It's a series of steps. So live, live this thing. It's consistency. If it's a lifestyle, it's not something you do once. It's something that you do multiple times. All I like talk about fitness is a lifestyle. Fitness is not exercising one week, going to the gym the next month, eating a salad a couple weeks after that. That's not fitness. That's not the lifestyle of fitness. It's what you do consistently in the same way, living in the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And part of defined as living in the spirit is exhibiting those fruit of the spirit we saw in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Living in the Spirit is consistently allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your life and bring these fruit out of you to maturity, following His direction, leading and guiding. This is a lifestyle. It's what you do consistently. Consistently, because consistency leads to growth. Now let's go to Proverbs 28, verse 20. Proverbs 28, verse 20 says, A faithful man, that's key, put in the chat, say faithful. Come on, put in the chat, say faithful. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Another translation, the one who rushes to get there won't be innocent. They're going to make some stupid mistakes along the way, and they're going to receive the punishment for their actions. You know, we talked about last week, the wages of sin is death. You know, you will produce 
a harmful harvest because of your actions. The person who is faithful and consistent will abound and overflow with blessings. But the person who hastens and rushes to get there, to rushes to get to their destination without doing the things that God has called them to do, without developing their character, without developing the fruit of the Spirit, they're going to make a lot of mistakes on the way, and that's going to catch up with them. You know, I've said it this way before I heard another man got say it, and I'll reiterate to you, whatever you bow down to on the way up to the mountain will rule you when you get to the top. Whatever you bow down to on the way up the mountain will rule you when you get to the top. That's why it's so key to develop your character now, to get things right now, to handle these things right now. Faithfulness is important. Consistency is important. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 4.2. You see, the thing is part of being faithful in the eyes of the kingdom of God. And being faithful the way God has described it, this faithfulness, is faithfulness where love is concerned. Remember that prayer says your love overflows more and more. And the love is the key to all the fruit of the Spirit. It's the key to the things of God. And you have to be careful, especially with the culture and the society we live in, that we get twisted. We love things instead of loving people. And the thing is, if you love things, you will use people to get those things. But if you love correctly and you love the God, love with the God kind of love described in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, you having things won't be an issue because you will use things to love people. Remember, the scripture says God gives you richly all things to enjoy. So you can enjoy things. You can enjoy material possessions and prosperity. That's not an issue because when your heart is right and your love with God is right and your love with your fellow man is right, you can enjoy the material things and then you'll use things to love people and you won't violate the law of love to try to get to success and get to the next level and get to your promotion because what happens when people do that, they violate the law of love and they will step on people and step over people to get to where they're supposed to go. But when you are faithful and develop the character that God wants you to develop, you'll go up. But because you go up, you bring someone else with you. You'll begin to you'll be able to love them with the things God has given you instead of using people to try to get counterfeit things. That's why development and maturity is important. And spiritual growth, you've heard me say this so many times, spiritual growth is not linear. You can be mature one moment and five years be a baby. That's why you have to consistently go forward and apply the principles of the word of God. Apply what God has been telling you to do consistently every single day, day in, day out, day in, day out. So you can be mature and grow to further levels of maturity. First Corinthians 4, 2. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Where you're going and you're calling that next level is going to require faithfulness. Go ahead and put it in the chat and say it out loud. Say, where I'm going is going to require faithfulness. Say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, where I'm going is going to require faithfulness. One more time. Say, where I'm going is going to require faithfulness. Now, a person who's put in charge as a manager, the scripture says, must be faithful. This leads me to reflection question number seven, and we'll close. Reflection question number seven. Does your current level of consistency match the level of promotion you are seeking? Does the current level, does your current level of consistency match the level of promotion you're seeking? One more time. Does your current level of consistency match the level of promotion you are seeking? What area of your life do you need to become more consistent in? It's a question that you can answer. 
What area of your life do you need to become more consistent in? One more time. Does your current level of consistency match the level of promotion you are seeking? What area of your life do you need to become more consistent in? So tonight I gave you two more reflection questions or a paragraph of questions for you to consider. And tonight, before you go to bed, I want you to be in considering those. And when you wake up in the morning, when you start your next day, when your time of prayer, quiet time, I want you to write those questions down. However you, you know, write with you, every prayer journal, you rest up on your phone or whatever you do. I want you to begin to answer those questions and ask the Lord to open your eyes and show you these areas that you need to work on. Show you areas that you're avoiding. Show you some areas you've been making excuses for. Because sometimes if you're making excuses for it for years or decades, you don't even realize it's there anymore. But ask God to open your eyes about it. Ask God to open your eyes concerning areas that you need to become more consistent in. That it could be an area that's a blind side to you, a blind spot to you. But God wants to open your eyes. So let me pray for you and then we'll move forward with tonight's experience. Father, I thank you for everybody in the sound of my voice. I pray for them right now that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. I pray that the eyes of their understanding are being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe, according to the work of your mighty power, which wrought in us and in Christ, when you raised us from the dead, and set us your own right hand in heavenly places far above all things, you put all things under our feet. You raised us up with Jesus, and you seated us with Jesus. So we ask for insight. We ask for clarity. We ask for it and we receive it and we thank you for it. Now, Father, I pray tonight as they consider these questions. I pray that as they wake up in the morning, consider these questions. As they go throughout the week, I pray that you grant them insight and show them the answer to these questions and help them not to be hearers of this word, but to be doers of this word so they can be blessed in their doing. In Jesus' name, amen and so be it. Praise God. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it's strengthening you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at FCCGA.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook on YouTube. We'd love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast and then we have our daily devotional podcast which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember something good is going to happen to you today so expect miracles. God bless.